seven weeks ago, I broke my hand. Um, I was playing tennis and I fell over and broke my hand. And so my hand was in a cast uh, for six weeks, which was a very frustrating experience. Um, couldn't do it my shoelaces, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't type properly, I couldn't open a jar. It was just very, very frustrating because uh, I stuck my whole fingers in the cast right up to here. Uh, but one of the things that's interesting is after a while you soon learn to adapt. After a few weeks I'd figured out tricks to get around the fact that my hand was in this cast. I, I never quite figured out how to do it my shoelaces. Uh, it's a bit embarrassing because one day all my family left uh, before I had a chance for anyone to do it my shoelaces, so I had to arrive at work. I was too embarrassed to ask any of the staff to do it my shoelaces. So. Um, eventually they uh, took pity on me. Um, but there's tricks on the internet about how you can do it your shoelaces with one, your left hand. Um, but I never quite mastered that. But I was thinking about that and thinking about this topic about talking about Jesus and thinking that it wasn't a bad illustration uh, of the church today because a core function for us as Christians is to be able to share our faith. It's a basic core function. But often we've just found it too hard and too difficult and we've been too disappointed by it and so we've learned to adapt. We've learned, as it were, as a church to live with this disability of a core function uh, that we're no longer able to do. And in fact, we've got to a point where we're no longer even worried about it. So while I figured out how to survive for six weeks with my hand in a cast, I was pretty motivated to get my hand back again. So a few weeks ago, I got my plaster off. Um, but even though I was highly motivated because I wanted to get back to the things I enjoyed, my fingers simply didn't work. Uh, they wouldn't start suddenly moving again. I had, according to the uh, physio, um, disuse at at atrophy, technical word, meaning my muscles had basically wasted away. Uh, so I'm now having physio to try and get my muscles back working again. So what should be a natural thing to do is suddenly taking lots of patience and time and pain. And again, I think you know, talking about Jesus should be something natural that we can do as Christians uh, but if we haven't done it for a long time, or in fact we've never done it, it's actually not suddenly going to happen. It's not that I'm not motivated, I'm highly motivated, but motivation by itself is not helping my hand to work. Now, if you've ever broken anything uh, before, you'll know exactly this kind of process that I'm talking about. And I think it's like us. Even if we're motivated to have God conversations, it suddenly is not going to happen overnight because we have to learn and it takes time. So um, first couple of weeks of physio, uh, I might have overdone it slightly, and <laughs> suddenly, because I was highly motivated, and suddenly discovered I was in uh, great pain again. And one of the things I physio discovered is I damaged the joint uh, to my finger in probably the accident uh, when I fell over, but then starting to do physio uh, caused it to swell up and cause pain. So my family reckons I'd overdone it because I'm sort of one of these people that thinks, Oh, you know, if I work really, really hard and I'll get my hand back working in two weeks. Didn't work, really. Um, so I might have done some damage. So now I can't move my finger. Um, and I talked last week about the fact that sometimes as, you know, Christians, we can be that sort of motivated. We can actually kill spiritual conversations. Um, sometimes our motivation to share our faith can make it worse. We, we can... We, Try, we just have awkward conversations or we are controlling in the conversations or we're disrespectful or judgmental. Um, 
And in fact, many people who we're talking to have had negative experiences of talking to Christians about spiritual issues. It's a bit like if you go to a cafe. You go to a cafe once, have a bad experience, so it puts you off. Uh, maybe, though, if you're really keen, you hear really good reports about the cafe, you go back a second time, you have another bad experience, you just don't go back again. You think, I'm not going there. In fact, not only do you not go back, but you don't tell other people. Now, you tell other people also about your experience. And that's what many people have had when it comes uh, to talking to Christians about faith. They've had some bad experiences, and so they think, I'm just going to avoid this altogether. So one of the uh, key skills I talked about last week in terms of sharing our faith was listening. <laughs> Someone was here. <laughs> listening. <laughs> do you remember this? If you're here, listening. Listening is one of the key skills. And I said we can do this uh, well by asking wondering questions. I was wondering, because what I was wondering is, is a very non-threatening way of asking something. I was wondering what you mean by that. I was wondering if you've ever thought about God. I was wondering what you think about Christianity or what puts you off about Christianity. So wondering questions are a great way to learn to listen uh, to where people are at and will open the door to spiritual conversations. Now, uh, I gave a homework assignment. Did anyone manage to do their homework? I gave it. You did your homework? Oh, well done on Debbie, all right. Doesn't quite count. Uh, but I suggested you know, that we learn to practice a skill of someone we know is not a Christian by asking a wondering question, reflecting back what we've heard. You know, I was wondering what you thought, Ben, about the Warriors. Ben says, I couldn't care less about the Warriors because he's a rugby fan. Uh, I say back to him, I reflect back what I've heard from Ben. I'm just picking on Penn, who didn't have to say this at all. Uh, you know, um, Ben, I hear you saying that you couldn't care less about the Warriors because you like rugby. So reflecting back ensures that people feel they've been heard. So listening and wondering conversations are great ways to begin to open doors to spiritual conversations. A third way where you can begin to have God conversations is simply by serving, by doing acts of kindness. I mean, you remember people who are kind, who do small things without any agenda other than just to be kind. Jesus said this, he said, you're the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Uh, instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, he said, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Some of you might uh, know, some of you might not be aware that some of the ministries in this church are based on that simple premise of simple acts of kindness. So one of the things we've um, started recently is a, a bit of a firewood ministry. Uh, someone's given us a hold of free pallets, and uh, some of the guys in the church have uh, we've got a, been donated a shed where we can chop them up, and so they're busy chopping up all these pallets, and it means we can deliver firewood to anyone in need. No strings attached, just to bless, just to say, hey, we want to help you. So uh, Doug and I, uh, on Friday, were able to deliver a load to a lady uh, that had no firewood, and... Um, just no strings attached, say, hey, just want to bless you with this firewood. And uh, at Grace Meals, uh, there's a ministry in this church called Grace Meals where it's a whole lot of meals in some freezers, and uh, if you know someone who's sick uh, or someone who's having a, a baby, uh, you can have a week's work, uh, worth of free meals. Again, no strings attached, just to bless. Silo, a free meal on a Thursday night, the same thing. And, and if you're interested in these, you can be part of these uh, ministries of the church that are just there uh, to, to bless, acts of kindness. 
We are to be known for our good deeds. Unfortunately, Christians have sort of got a reputation for sort of a bait-and-switch type tactics. So we offer something nice, uh, but then we sort of preach at them. So people come along to some event or volleyball game or whatever, and then we sort of drop the gospel on them uh, unexpectedly. And uh, often it's just dishonest, and people feel trapped by that. It's how we catch mice, you know, so you set your trap uh, with a little cheese in it, you know, and the mice comes along, nibbles the cheese, and then whack, smack on his head. <laughs> well, that's what the reputation of Christians have got. <laughs> that, you know, we offer something nice, and then whack, we whack them over the head uh, with the gospel. But they used to think that some mice were smart and could figure out it was a trap, and so avoid it. If you ever tried to catch mice, you think, why is it, you know, one mouse that just seems to ignore the cheese? Um, but what they discovered is that mice actually aren't that smart after all. <laughs> They're just put off by the smell, uh, either of the dead mouse, if you, you can't actually reuse those little cheap mouse traps, because they smell either human on it, or they smell the dead mouse, and so they avoid it. But unfortunately, Christians, you know, people sort of smell <laughs> us, and they think there's some trap here somewhere, and I don't want to get whacked on the head, and so they avoid us. Now, love can't be conditional. The central tenet of the Christian message is one of grace. And by its nature, grace is unconditional. Are we as Christians, are we at Central Baptist Church known for our good deeds? I increasingly believe that service needs to become a core part of who we are. James says, look, someone might argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. That faith and good deeds totally interrelated. One of our um, core um, uh, priorities is to serve the city, and we're starting to work on what this means. So, uh, this morning, in, uh, uh, for our children, they went down, they made some really nice morning tea and went down to the police station just to say thank you for what you do. Uh, seemingly, I was talking to Bronwyn today, um, the police were just overwhelmed someone would do this. Well, the kids went down there and just said, hey, we want to bless you. Uh, the police could not believe that we would do this. Um, developed a bit of a relationship with a lady on council, Kerry Grabber, who's um, the central city coordinator. I went to see her at the beginning of the year and talked about this whole thing of serving the city. She had noticed um, that at the beginning of the year, the council did a thing called Rev Up, where they did a spring clean of the city, and about one quarter of the names, there was about 100 and something people helped to a sort of spring clean of the city, about one quarter of the names on the church were from this church. She noticed that, began to open doors. And uh, what's her motivation? Simply to bless the city, because God wants to bless the city. Sometimes we get so caught up in our spiritual whatever or heaven or whatever else, we forget that God wants to bring his kingdom uh, here on earth. Carrie has come back and asked whether we'd paint a mural on a dirty alleyway in S Street. Unfortunately, she got sick and sort of got delayed. The weather's too late now. But I'm hoping that when the weather finds up, it might be a small project that we can do. It's this alleyway that's all grubby, and she wants uh, paint. We can paint whatever we want on it as a mural. So if you've got some skills uh, in that, come and have a talk to me. It's just a small way that we can bless the city. The other day, we had a ring from the council from their environmental department that someone in this church works for, and somebody's got an overgrown section uh, and uh, again, there's an opportunity for us just to, to help this person get their place back under control again. It's not glamour work. It's not 
involves dirt and mess. It'll not make the front page of the papers. See, the thing about services, often we want to be noticed for it. Oh, you know, Central Baptist did this, or look at me, what we've done. Um, and when we do that, of course, it's not really service. It's just something's wrong with our motive, our heart. Jesus also said, you know, watch out, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you'll lose the reward of your Father in heaven. Seems like that's a bit of a contradiction. On one hand, he's saying good deeds will shine out, you know, don't hide light under a bushel. On the other hand, he's saying, no, no, no. Uh, but one's talking about what we do that comes out of the heart, and when we do that, it'll shine. But others talk about motive. If our motive is simply to be noticed, then it's not right. We've just got to do these, we've just got to be kind and let God look after the rest. Are we known, are you known in your workplace as someone who's kind, someone who'll go the extra mile, who has that servant heart? What about in your street? Are you known as the person who's kind? Who will help others? Kindness breaks down the walls of suspicion that people have about Christians and Christianity. As long as, and I'm putting a writer in here, as long as we don't do acts of kindness and then drop the gospel on them. Because when we do that, it appears like we're being kind with a motive. We're simply to be kind because God has loved us. God loved us before we're ever friends with Him. That's just His nature. God wants to bless and does bless. God brings the rain on the just and the unjust, it says. See, our reputation in the community as Christians is that we're judgmental. Ultimately, judgment is God's job, not ours. Our role is to demonstrate love. Jesus said, take the log out of your own eye before we worry about judging other people. So often we've been busy telling the world what's wrong. We've forgotten how to love. We've forgotten how to stand up for the persecuted and downtrodden whether it be the mentally ill or the disabled or LGBTQ community or whoever. I read this great verse this week, which I had not ever noticed before, Titus 2.14. It says, He, that's Jesus, gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, to make us his very own people. Basic Christian message. But what does it say then? Totally committed to doing good deeds. Gave his life to free us, to cleanse us, to make us his own people, his children, totally committed to doing good deeds. Another way we can serve people is offering to pray for them. If someone is sick, offering to pray for them. Both our interns shared, uh, Nicole and uh, Katie shared, uh, just what happened as someone prayed for them. That's why they're here today. Uh, Serving because someone took a step of faith and prayed for them. When can we? Uh, I said last week that more, uh, less is more, and more is less in today's environment uh, where people are suspicious of Christians. We need to, to recognize that people are a long way from faith. We need to go very slowly in terms of what we share. But when uh, is it appropriate to share more? Um, recognizing it takes a long time for people to get from where they are to really at a point of wanting to explore the gospel. Because there is a time uh, to move beyond just dropping seeds or uh, just sharing tidbits, as it were. And here's some clues about when it might be appropriate to share more. When people start initiating spiritual conversations with you, right, that means they feel safe. That means you've earned their trust that you're not going to drop a heavy on them, you're going to listen to them. So when people start initiating spiritual conversations... 
Good time to talk to them more. When people are asking deeper and deeper sort of questions, when people express a dissatisfaction with life as it is now, and when people start to raise specific objections to faith, now that might sound counterintuitive. You think people are raising specific objections to faith, they don't want more. But actually, it is a sign that people do want more. Because what happens is that people might start getting interested in spiritual things. Maybe they had a God experience, maybe someone prayed with them, maybe they've had some good experiences of Christians. They're beginning to question uh, their worldview. And they'd like to explore Christianity, but then they have all these objections in their mind. And so they can't actually move forward until they deal with those objections. And so when they start putting out specific objections to faith, it's actually potentially a sign that people are exploring. And they've simply got to work through those objections uh, in their head before they can go on. I talked last week about there's a pamphlet in the information zone there about common objections to faith. There's only about 10 common objections that people have to faith. And, and when we get our heads around those, it's very, very helpful. What do we do if we've blown it? What do we do if we've, if we look back and think, oh, you know, I just made a real hash of that uh, conversation or I really missed that opportunity? Um, maybe you're thinking about what I talked about last week about some of these things that kill spiritual conversations and you think, you know, that's what I've done, you know? And, and I, you know, I've, I've been guilty of all of those over the years. I've, you know, um, I've con- dropped stuff on people. I've, I've um, not... You know, I've disrespected people by not listening to them. Um, I've just had conversations that felt afterwards that was really awkward. Um, and I've certainly had times where I thought, why didn't I say something? I had an opportunity to say something, and I missed it. If we feel like that, I mean, the first thing to remember is that God is bigger. God is bigger than us. He's, he's bigger than, uh, he's not limited just our inadequacies. He's more than capable of pursuing a person. So ask God's forgiveness. Ask God's forgiveness if you've blown, if you've been overzealous or you've missed an opportunity. Simply ask God's forgiveness. But secondly, if you're still in a relationship with the person, you do have an opportunity to go back to them. Now, that'll take some courage, but go back and say, look, I've been reflecting on our conversation. You know, it felt really awkward. I'm sorry. I was wondering how it felt for you. Well, you know, I was wondering about our conversation last month and came to realize I was probably quite judgmental in what I said, and I'm sorry. That takes some courage to do that. But as Christians, we can take the first step. If we feel like we've blown it and people have put the walls up, we can take the first step in trying to rebuild that. I'll say, look, I was listening to somebody talk the other day about how Christians come across to others and reflecting on my conversations with you, and I recognize that uh, I might have been guilty of some of that stuff. I was wondering if you could tell me how I come across when I talk to you. Now, it's not always possible to rebuild bridges, but we can try to take that step. We can do the same thing if we feel like we've missed an opportunity. I was reading this uh, book by Doug Pollock called God's Face the other day, and he talked about a conversation he had with some tradesmen that were in his house, and uh, there's a whole group of them, and one of them asked some questions about what he did, and he, he's not really a pastor, he works for a Christian organization. Anyway, they were quizzing him on what he did, and uh, one of them um, was sort of asking him some questions, and the others sort of started giving him a hard time and said, oh, you know, you're looking at becoming to faith or a Christian or whatever. And the guy told them to shut up, and he said, oh, look, you'll be in hell uh, with me, um, so don't give me a hard time. And uh, 
you know, Doug was quite tongue-tied. He didn't know what to say. He sort of felt there's an opportunity to say something, but he didn't know what to say. So he, he left it, didn't say anything. About a month later, he was having coffee with the guy that, that nearly finished the work, and he was just on his own. And he said to him, look, I've been thinking a lot about something you said a while back. I was quite intrigued, so he said, well, what did I say? And he said, look, I was wondering why you're so confident you're going to end up in hell. He said, most people are confident they're going to end up in heaven. He said, just wondering why you felt confident you'd end up in hell. And uh, so notice a wondering question. It's that sort of, you know, what do you mean by? I was wondering, what do you mean by that? Very non-threatening way. It's open a God conversation. Open the door. The guy had been in a gang before uh, some years back and done some stuff in the gang that he just felt was unforgivable. Uh, and he felt there's no way that anyone could forgive him. So a door had been opened to a conversation by a simple question. I was wondering what you meant by that. So sometimes even when we feel we've missed it, blowing the opportunity, we can go back and say, you know, and the advantage of going back is sometimes uh, we can ask at a good time. I don't know about you, but, but I find these opportunities uh, sometimes to have these conversations appear in the most awkward of times. <laughs> most awkward of places when you're least prepared, you know, rush or, or it's in the middle of a cafe or something. It's like, oh, you know, uh, you just get caught on the back foot. The advantage of if you can't say anything uh, sensible, don't say anything. Um, but the advantage also if you go back is you can choose the time and the place and have a think about what you might say uh, rather than get caught on the cop. So if I want to recap this series talking about Jesus... We've talked about it over the last three weeks. I want to recap it. You know, Jesus' last words were, go and make disciples. Um, and I said there's a disconnect. Incredibly important to God. Uh, come to seek and save the lost. There's a disconnect between what he says and what we're doing. Because often it's the last thing we want to do, is have spiritual conversations. I said the two biggest blocks to those spiritual conversations are fear and unbelief. Talked about the five things that kill spiritual conversations. Then we've had a look at three things that will begin to open the doors to having those God conversations. Let's flick on a couple of slides there. Listening, wondering, and kindness and service. These are the things that will open the doors to those conversations. But I was thinking about that and thinking, you know, these in a sense are skills. These are things we can learn. But it's not just skill-based. The reality is it's the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that convicts people. It's the Spirit of God that, that uh, draws. It's the Spirit of God that opens people's hearts. It's the Spirit of God that helps us have the words to say. And prayer invites the Holy Spirit to help us. It's through prayer that we become sensitive to the Spirit and the nudges of the Spirit may be prompting us in what to say. I was really disappointed. We had a church prayer meeting a while back, and there was just 13 people uh, at it. When we, our focus for that prayer meeting was praying for those who don't know Jesus. You know, it's not just a skill-based thing. We need to be seeking and praying and asking God's help. But there's a third element too, and that, and that is actually that we have to be in a position of relationship with people. It's not enough just to have the skills and be sensitive to the spirit, we actually have to go. We have to step out of our comfort zone. You know, they reckon that people that become Christians within five years, they've got no significant relationships with those who aren't Christians. 
Um, I, um, as you know, I've talked about being keen on tennis. So when I was in Topol, I joined a tennis club there. and uh, That was my place, because I tend to spend all my time with Christians, strangely enough, uh, as a pastor. So um, this really bothered me, and so uh, I deliberately joined a tennis club. Um, simply to spend and build some relationships with Christians. So I came down here and joined the tennis club, so I play on Saturdays. Um, but then a business house team um, competition was on Thursday night, so I talked to the organiser, and there were a few people like me that didn't have any team, and so uh, they put us together. Um, and this lovely guy was the team captain, he didn't know what to call the team. So he looked up names on the internet, and he took the first name he came up with. Uh, the internet came up with. So every Thursday night during summer, um, aside from when my hand's not broken, uh, I play tennis with my team. The name of the team is Casual Sets. But you meant to laugh at that. <laughs> so here's the local Baptist minister playing Casual Sets uh, tennis team, which my wife wasn't very thrilled about, but I actually think it's quite funny. Um, so this is my tennis team. It's what I do on Thursday night. Um, but it's a chance simply to spend time with people and get to know. So um, we've committed to play again next season as the same team. So it's a chance for me simply to build some significant relationships with those who don't know God. So we actually need all three. We need the empowering of the Spirit. We need skill in today's world that's truth adverse. And we actually have to be in a place where we have relationships. We need actually all three dimensions. See, if you have the Spirit and you have skill, but you're never actually in any relationships, you're not going to have any impact at all. If you have skill in relationships, but you're not reliant on the Spirit, you're going to see very little fruit. If you have the Spirit and you have relationships, but you have no skill, you're going to make a real hash of things. We actually need all three. I wonder which one God is speaking to you about tonight. Which one you maybe need to grow in. Maybe you recognise that you've actually not really, you don't really have any significant relationships with those outside of the church. You need to put yourself in a place to do that. Maybe you realise, hey, I need to upskill and, and how I can talk about faith uh, and God. Or maybe you need to, to grow in being more aware of the empowering of the Spirit of God. I'm going to ask the team to come and uh, play, and I'm going to just uh, lead us in prayer. So uh, let's stand together. Let's pray. I'll do the um, love one, love song, love. Yeah, God, as we um, yeah, just come tonight, God, we, we want to be available to God to be used by you. God, we want to overcome our fear and unbelief. God, give us a desire to want to talk about you. God, we pray that you'd bring opportunities for God, that your spirit would just be bringing opportunities across our path. And we would, Lord, have the, the spiritual eyes, as it were, to see, to hear. And God, I pray you'd give us the skill to 
listen well, to be sensitive to where people are at in their journey. God, I pray you'd empower us. This week, Lord God, give us opportunity maybe to simply show your love in a way that's uh, just with no strings attached, that we can just bless someone, we can just show kindness to someone. For no other reason other than you're a God of love and your love has impacted us. And so we just want to share that. So God, I pray this week there'll just be some opportunities to do some random acts of kindness, as it were. And as we sang that song of the spirit, the walls coming down, Lord, we pray that uh, both the barriers in our own life and the barriers in other people's lives would come down. We might better have those conversations that will bring light and life. In Jesus' name, amen.